Welcome to the One O'ahu Podcast. I'm Brandi Higa, and today is Thursday, June 22nd, 2023. And joining us this week is Kat Tashner, Acting Director for the Department of Land Management. Kat, thanks for joining us. What's up? <laughs> so for those who aren't familiar, what does the Department of Land Management do? Good question. Uh, so the Department of Land Management is the newest department in the city, and I think a lot of people have that question, like what do they do? Our general uh, responsibility is to protect, develop, and manage city land, except for DPR land. So you know that some of what we do is property management. We have you know affordable housing projects, and so we we help to provide services to those tenants. Um, we also do land acquisitions, you know, new properties coming into the city, whether it's a new fire station or for affordable housing. Um, and then we also oversee the city's conservation program, so the Clean Water and Natural Lands Fund. We dedicate money every year towards conservation, and so overseeing those projects. You said a new department. So how many people exactly do you oversee? Right now we're at about 20. Is that enough? No, no, no. If anyone listening wants to join us, we need people who do land stuff. Um, you know, we we were never in, envisioned to be a big department. At biggest, it, it's at 30. That's what we're budgeted for. Right now, we're operating at about 20. We're going through a process that will officially kind of create some of these jobs so that hopefully we can hire full time. So who is it that, that makes up this department? Are they like realtors? Are they you know, planners? Who, who's in your department? Right now, we have our, our department is half property managers and the other half are yeah, more planners. And you recently uh, announced the appointment of a new deputy director. Yes. You're finally getting someone on board. Tell us a little yes. bit about it. Yes. Oh, I'm so excited. So, you know, Keith Suzuka was actually my supervising attorney at my old law firm. So I've worked really extensively with Keith um, for about 10 years. Uh, he's a real estate attorney. He's also a real estate broker. And so I think having that knowledge base in DLM will really help us to you know, knock down some of the acquisitions that we're doing, but it'll also help to lay a really good foundation for DLM. We are the newest department. We do need some policies and procedures, and I think um, his background will really lend to creating a strong foundation for us. I'm sure you've gone places and you probably have heard people talk about this for the last few weeks now. The rail project is finally yes. opening for phase one. Um, next we get to celebrate that opening, the largest public works project in state history. When it comes to managing the land, around this project and TOD, um, what does it look like for you? Right, yeah, I mean, as the rail comes down, we the city's policy is to support TOD, right? Um, the city owns some lands along that corridor, and so part of our job is, well, how do we maximize that, right? How do we, um, especially for the vacant lands, how can we better utilize them um, and build housing and build these services along the corridor? It also impacts our acquisitions. You know, as we look to bring property into the city portfolio, um, you know, the, the, the TOD really is a priority for us. And so as we start announcing some of the acquisitions that we're working on, a, a majority of them will be along that rail corridor. A lot of questions, and I guess for us right now, it's kind of a lot of complaints, are about the current start and stop for this first phase, right? So get off of the stadium, there's nothing there. In your mind, what should that look like? Do we own land there and what can be done? We, this, the city doesn't own a lot there, but that's not to say that we can't acquire properties right. to bring, you know, uh, to bring these stations to life. I think that's what we're looking at in Evile, right? You know, um, right now, why, why would you get off the station there? We're looking to see if we can activate it with, you know, really vibrant mixed use and affordable housing to create kind of these new neighborhoods around the rail stations. Yeah, so Evile, what would that look like? In your mind, if we were to develop there, what would Evile look like? 
I mean, I, when you look at the uh, TOD plans, it, it's a it's a new neighborhood. You right. know, right now there aren't a lot of people living there, but it is anticipated for a lot of growth, mm-hmm. a lot of affordable housing, a lot of high intensity mixed use, with you know new commercial opportunities, and so that's really what the city's looking at. Um, you know, part of DLM's budget request this year was to have more flexible funding so that we can bring those types of visions to life. Um, so as of July, we will have access to something that to, to new funding that will allow us to to really create um, you know, these these vibrant communities that I hope are that we're trying to bring to life. When we talk about developing in EV lay and expanding affordable housing, what do you think the city's role is in helping to solve this problem? Yeah, I think, you know, the city has always been the regulator, right? We issue permits and, you know, everybody's heard about what DPP does. But as we're looking at activating and really creating this new EV Lane neighborhood, I think one of the roles that we could and should be playing is through infrastructure. Uh, we control the sewers, we control the water, right? If by expanding those systems, um, it facilitates other affordable housing development um, in the area. So I, I, I think those kinds of long-range master planning is, is something that the city is looking at um, as we look at, a, you know, what role do we play in affordable housing? I want to get your reaction to the Honolulu City Council recently approving the city's budget. Uh, what were you most pleased with in this package? That, that new funding, really. It, it gives us a much better tool to create opportunities. Yeah, to create opportunities. Additional $70 million was added on top of the $100 million initially proposed to purchase and develop affordable housing. That seems like a lot of money, um, but that seems like it has a lot of potential. So much potential. Um, you know, obviously, that, that is probably the biggest issue that you know, our department looks at when it comes to priorities or affordable housing. In a place where land is scarce, how can we better utilize what we have um, and, and activate it? And so as we look at, you know, bringing affordable housing to Honolulu. Having more money obviously gives us more opportunities. We just have to (laughs) spend it. When we think of affordable housing and kind of increasing the city's portfolio, one of the big ones that comes to mind was our recent um, acquisition of Waikiki Vista. Right. What's the status there? Because we were still pretty much in its infancy there. Where are we now? As we look at affordable housing, I think, you know, we're trying to figure out what is the city's role, right? Um, you know, we, we are acquiring properties. And I think we're trying to shift towards larger acquisitions like that, you know. Um, I think we're also looking at how do we activate vacant land. For example, the city has vacant land out in Kapolei. We entered into a public-private partnership with a private developer to activate that property. And so there are various tools that we can use um, to advance affordable housing. So when it comes to affordable housing, yeah, so the big one we have in mind is like Waikiki Vista. Um, Is that kind of the city's strategy? We're looking for like these, these larger properties where we could turn over that's part that's part of the strategy certainly you know acquisitions especially you know with a lot of affordable housing projects they have affordability periods right you have to keep it affordable for 10 or 20 years as those periods end the risk is that it could go to market right and so i think that's that's an area where the city could focus its strategy is acquiring properties that are you know at risk of going to market and we keep them affordable forever i think that's a that, that that's a something that we are looking to pursue. Kat, where were you before this? Before this, I was at the McCorriston Law Firm. I was a partner there in the real estate department, so practicing law. 
What prepared you for this position? You know, honestly, my day-to-day isn't that different from when I was practicing law. A lot of it is, you know, looking at leases or looking at purchase and sale agreements or title documents. I, I A lot of the work that I did previously was pretty translatable. Um, lawyers like policies and procedures, and this being a new department, there really aren't any. So I, I, I think it's it's been an it's a pretty been a fairly fairly seamless transition. But I'm sure you know when you're scrolling social media, or even when you you know read the comments in a news story, everyone's like you know so add more affordable housing. It's so expensive to live here, and and now that burden or I guess that responsibility it, it kind of <laughs> falls on you. That's a little different than where you were previously. Totally, totally. It's it's, it's and that that's the biggest opportunity. But also you you just want to succeed, right? I'm from Hawaii. My brother lives on the mainland. All my cousins live on the mainland. I totally understand getting priced out of paradise. And so, you know, it's motivating for me to be in a position where I can try to be part of the solution, right? Try to think about ways that we can create affordable housing. Was this position all that you expected or did something surprise you? Oh, this job has been... It, it, it's been more than what I expected. I mean, I, I think you hit the nail on the head. There is this tremendous responsibility to the, to the community to do the right thing. Um, and I take that very seriously. And, you know, in government, you aren't always given easy tools to use, right? Things here just take longer. We have a lot of processes to follow. And so that was a little bit of a learning curve for me, was getting up to speed on, you know, procurement and, and things like that. But yeah, it's a it's a tremendous opportunity, but a, that yeah, the back of house stuff was what I'm struggling with. <laughs> uh, so how do you deal with that? I know I know it is a struggle. I know it's tough, um, but like at the end of the day, what do you do to get center? How do you how do you deal with the stress of this job? <laughs> <laughs> I don't That's think a good question. <laughs> I'm not sure. I've totally got the answer for that. It's a work in progress. <laughs> Uh, because you know, you're not the only one in the city. You you have a family. You have young kids. Yeah. Um, balancing that must be tough. It's a work in progress. <laughs> I'm working on it. Yeah. It, it, I mean, it's challenging. It's, it's it's the opportunity of a lifetime. But it, it it's it's a lot. Yeah. I have a my son just turned two. That is also a lot. <laughs> what does he think you do for work? Oh. I don't even know if my husband understands what I do for work. <laughs> I, and I think that's one of the biggest, you know, we are a new department. And I think we are kind of in that awkward teenage phase of like, who am I? Who do I want to be? Um, if you were to ask a lot of other departments, I think there is a lot of confusion. And so that's what I'm hoping to bring is more standardization um, and a lot clearer focus for what DLM does and how we service our other departments. Yeah, that's. I like that you said that, you know, you service the other departments. I think a lot of times the term affordable housing is tied to your department, but you, the scope of your work is far beyond affordable housing. Right, right. I, we do all things land. Um, so, you know, mayor's top priority right now is affordable housing. And so obviously land is a part of that. And so that's where a lot of our efforts are. But truly, we do assist with all land issues, whether you know, a, another department needs to buy a new headquarters or whether, you know, we have a vacant piece of property that they want to dispose of. Anything land, city lands, we do, except for parks. When I think about the schedule and the work that you put in, 
I think back to, what was it, a month ago, we were on the mayor's town hall tour. Yeah. Where every week we were out till, you know, you probably didn't get home till past 11 on most nights. Especially for the rural ones, yeah. Yes, the further ones. So what kind of issues came up in that town hall tour that you were able to address? You know, one of the things that I, the town halls actually gave me several opportunities to evangelize the clean water and natural lands fund. Um, So every year the city puts aside half a percent of the rural property tax revenue for conservation purposes. That fund has gone largely untapped. And so, you know, as the community, there were a couple community members that were concerned about protecting EV or, you know, conserving land against development. And we actually have a dedicated land fund. And so um, that was one of the more exciting things that I was able to do at the town halls was just kind of share more about the program and and hopefully increase the deal flow there. Why was it untapped for so long? It needs to be used in connection with the real estate acquisition. So there needs to be, you know, someone who has land who's willing to sell it. There's kind of a high barrier to entry. It's also a lengthy process. Um, it, it can take often over a year. And so it, timing, with any real estate transaction, timing is always a big consideration, um, especially you know, if the seller has a loan or you know, their time is money. So it's, it's a lengthy transaction. How, how old is this fund? How big is it? And what do you think the potential could be for that fund? So the fund was established in 2006. Um, and it's used to purchase a real estate interest, whether it's the fee or conservation easement, in order to conserve and protect properties. But when we talk about conservation, it's actually pretty broad. It can be used even for you know public recreation, open space, and so you know in the you know past 15 to 20 years, like the city purchased Kahuku Golf Course using clean water monies mm-hmm. because it's a recreational you know asset for for the community. Um, over the years, we've also purchased um, hayows and other, you know, cultural sites, um, some agricultural land, uh, like a lo'ikalo taro farm. And so a lot of opportunity. You know, right now the fund is sitting at over $40 million. It's gone largely untapped. And so, you know, that gives us the opportunity to really think about, you know, how do we leverage these monies to make a meaningful impact on conservation within the city? One of the other things that came up in the town halls was Verona Village. I think that was in the, f- the first one somebody had asked about that. What's the latest there? Oh, Verona Village. It was so it was a promise made by the city to the tenants of record of the Ebba Villages back in the late 80s, early 90s. Oh, wow. And, you know, over the years, you know, other villages and Ebba Villages got redeveloped. But when the housing department was dissolved in the mid 90s, Verona Village slipped through the cracks. And so it's gone for many years um, waiting for its turn to be redeveloped, and I'm so excited to share that we are finally right at the finish line. Um, you know, several years ago, we entered into a development agreement with a partnership between Savio and Habitat for Humanity, and they're going to redevelop Verona Village in two phases. Before we turned the land over to them, you know, we had to do kind of a punch list, a couple items, take care of things. We have largely taken care of those. And so we're hoping to transition the land over to them in the next month or two. So really exciting time. They can start with phase one of redevelopment, which is just, you know, really just a facelift to the existing homes. The exciting part is that we're finally going to be able to turn over land ownership Mm -hmm. to the tenants of record and to their families. So really, really exciting time at Verona Village. Also an exciting time here in town. In just a few months, we'll be welcoming the first residents into Hale Vaiolu. 
Oh, yes. How does that, that property, I guess, what, you know, how does that make you feel when you think about the reception that that property has had in the community? And then when they did finally open it up for a lot of free people to sign up, you know, the, the outpouring that, that showed yes. up for that, that property. Yes, I think, you know, there's just over 150 units mm -hmm. in that project. And, you know, when I talked to the developer, there were over 1,400 applications in the lottery. And so it really is proving that, you know, we're building something that not only does the community need, but something that the community wants, right? We have a, this oversubscription of people who want to live there. And so we're really, really excited to see everyone move in pretty soon. When it comes to making sure that everyone here in the city, some 10,000 something strong, have a place to work, uh, when it comes to leases and, and all of the agreements with office space that falls under your your department as well yes yes um that's fairly new for us we we took over that responsibility this year and you know as we were looking through all of the lease files we ran out of space a long time ago the city leases from a lot of you know third-party private offices and um so right now two of the projects we're working on are office acquisitions um, one is for the Department of Community Services. Right now they're operating out of like four or five different locations. And so the goal is to centralize their operations um, on, a, on, on a property that's on School Street. They, um, Central Pacific Bank is donating the building and then we're buying the land. And so that'll really help to streamline a lot of their operations. The city's also looking at acquiring the office building formerly occupied by the Hawaii State Federal Credit Union, two blocks from Honolulu Hale, so you know, really close to here. Um, so hopefully, you know, as we buy those buildings, we can invest in those buildings versus you know paying lease rent. Yeah, I guess that's something I didn't realize either. When you think of you know city workers, I think they work either here where we're sitting now in the Fossey Municipal Building, right? Honolulu Hale, Kapala Mahale, Kapole Hale. But there are like a dozen or so other buildings where we have city employees? More. Oh, wow. More. Okay. Um, okay. Yeah, I, probably about 15 to 20 different, different buildings mm -hmm. kind of all throughout the island. Um, and then on top of that, we also lease a lot of warehouse space. Mm -hmm. So at, at some point in the future, I think it would be prudent to, to get more warehouse space as well. Kat, is there anything we missed that you want folks to know about? My hope is that if we have this conversation next year, we'll have so much to talk about. We're on the edge of a couple really exciting acquisitions that will really help to energize um, EVLay and that will bring some of the TOD plans to life. We are working on a couple you know, proposals for partnerships with private developers that will bring hundreds of units to the affordable housing inventory. We're starting to come up with standard forms so that, you know, when people ask our department, hey, can I get an easement? Or, hey, can I buy that remnant piece of property? It makes it easier for the public to communicate with our office, because right now, it, just a lot of dead ends. So I, I, I hope that in the future, we'll be able to, you know, better respond to the community and better address um, some of the, this administration's priorities. And if you have a question for Kat, Mayor Blangiardi, or any of the departments here in the city and county of Honolulu, you can submit your podcast questions by heading to oneoahu.org slash podcast. And again, that opening day for rail is next week, June 30th. All rides and Skyline will be free on opening weekend. as from 2 p.m. on June 30th until the last train runs on the 4th of July. But remember, beginning on Saturday, July 1st, the first full day of rail service, passengers must have a valid holo card to take advantage of the free rides. 
So you just have to tap your holo card to get through the fare gates, but no funds will be taken off that card. Additionally, the bus will also be waiving fares for riders between July 1st and the 4th. But much more on the much-anticipated opening day for Skyline next week as Mayor Blangiardi joins us right here on the One Oahu Podcast. Thanks so much for listening, and until next time, aloha.